start having daily business meetings with God. Like actually, just like you would put meetings with other people, have daily business meetings with God. And not just so that you can have your checklist of things like, I'm going to pray for my clients, I'm going to this, I'm going to that, but actually give him some space to create an agenda in your time together. Welcome to Seat Go Create. Tim Winders, your host here. Beautiful summer day here. We're hanging out in Rapid City, South Dakota. Our guest is down in Fort Lauderdale. It's 75 degrees where I'm at. Those watching, you might see the breeze with the curtain behind me because I got the windows open here in Theo, the RV. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry today. All three of those. We're going to be hitting on all three of those with our guest. I'm excited. Let's dive right in. I've got Shay Bynes. She is a passionate storyteller, mentor, and strategist who equips leaders to be catalysts for transformation in the marketplace. Love those words. She calls herself a chief fire igniter. You could bet I'm going to ask her about that. She co-founded what they call Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur in 2012, a little over 10 years ago now. It's a global movement that is inspiring, teaching, mentoring, and advising Christ-centered entrepreneurs who desire to do business in partnership with God for greater kingdom influence and impact. Shay, welcome to Seek Go Create. Thank you, Tim. I am really looking forward to our chat because I enjoyed our first one immensely, and now we get to do a second one here for the podcast. So oh, my fun. goodness. Yeah, before I get to my first question, I we had a great conversation, folks. Sometimes I go in cold. For some reason, Shay and I felt the need to have a chit-chat before, and it was like, bam. So we scheduled this and uh, she told me late yesterday, she also has a book. So I got it, read most of it. We'll be covering that. Let me give you the title real quick. Grace over grind. Is that right? That's it. Grace, Grace over, over grind. grind, which fits so well with what I've been thinking. Jesus never hustled. Why should we? It just, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to gel here. But before I get too much farther, Shay, let's pretend we just met. Not okay. And I ask you, or anyone ask you, or you're out and about, and someone says, what do you do? What's your standard answer that you give people? My standard answer would be that I work with Christ-following entrepreneurs who desire to do business in partnership with God so they can make a really great impact on the world around them. Okay. Do you give that answer to a Gentile, or is that in church world, or... I actually will give that answer anywhere. I haven't had a problem with that. And it's been interesting because sometimes it'll lead to some other follow-up questions or whatever. I played around with other things because sometimes if I'm in the midst of a particular context, I'll play around with it and say something else. And, just, and it's just fun because I just love getting to know people. But that's pretty much my standard answer. And people usually are just like, oh, that's great. And sometimes they have follow-up questions. Sometimes they don't. And I keep it moving. So I'm going to tag on to something on your LinkedIn profile. Your yes. tagline there says, I agitate the world of business for the kingdom of God. Yes. Among other things. <laughs> that is correct. So tie those together. Because some people are right out of the gate. If they've hung around me, they're not. But the word agitate, the world of business. You're a business person, right? I am. I've been in business either on a part-time or a full-time basis since, what, 1999. So even when I was working my corporate job, I had a side business. And then when I left my corporate career, I went to full-time entrepreneurship in 2010. And you wouldn't be called just a slacker, just getting by. You barely did okay in the business world. You were hitting home runs over there, correct? I had a pretty great corporate career. I really did. Yeah. The reason I bring that up, and I'm going to make you give a little bit more on that, is that... Yes. In, I'll use the term church, in church world sometimes, Yes, there's this thought that sometimes people go hang out and use terms like kingdom or Christian and things like that because they cannot perform in some of those worlds. You, and I know this is not the case, I'm going to allow you to touch your horn a little bit. Yes. You would not fit that category at all. Give just a little glimpse as we get yeah. started. We're not going to dive deep into that because there's so many yeah. other things I want to dive deep in. Sure. But give a little glimpse of what you, quote unquote, air quotes here for those who aren't seeing it, what you yeah. achieved, accomplished your success in that, yeah. in that world. Yeah. And it's actually funny hearing you say that was just so funny to me because I was like, really my entrance into focusing on kingdom driven entrepreneurship, I didn't, I had to learn what kingdom meant. 
So that's just a whole funny as all by itself. But my background in corporate was in technology. So I got a degree in computer science and I started a corporate career as a software engineer, then moved up the ranks there. So I've been a project manager, a program director, led global university research for some time. And so I was there for at IBM Corporation for a little over 10 years. I was headed towards my 11th when I had a pretty abrupt disruption from the Lord that led to me leaving my corporate career. But yeah, I had a lot of different jobs while I was at IBM. I loved it, was moving along really well, but I knew I didn't want to have a long-term career there because I wasn't, there was this phrase we used to use, Tim, in the company that was like, oh, people who are executives, they have to bleed blue because it was big blue, the company. And I was like, I'm not willing to bleed blue for these folks. So I love the work, but I won't be here forever. Yeah, when you start understanding our identity and who we are in Christ, it's, listen, I only bleed one way. There's <laughs> only one blood much. in my book, and it's not yours. I will do above and beyond, but I am not selling out. So that's interesting. I worked for about nine years at Bell South. Oh, uh, that's where my dad worked and retired from. Yeah, so I get that. And, and the reason I bring that up, and we, I'm going to circle back to us defining kingdom here because that's... Yeah, yeah. That's real big for me. Sometimes we throw around words that maybe not everyone's clear on. Yeah. But I had this fascinating situation occur, Shay, when we were at Bible school for a couple of years. There was a couple of business people there. So a lot of people were wanting to go full-time ministry. That was their desire. And truthfully, right. that was the pecking order. Us, us business people, we were down, way down the food chain, which I was like going, but I don't understand that. And so there was a guy that came up to me and he was doing some projects with some greenhouses and things. We were trying to get them injected into some missions fields and things like that. And I said, well, why don't we get missionaries to do this and all that? And he said, Tim, he says, I hate to tell you, we've talked to a number of them and they're just lazy. They don't want to do work. And the reason I bring that up here is you would definitely be considered in my book. I've talked to you a few times. I've studied you now over the last 24 <laughs> hours getting ready for this. You would be high performer, correct? That's th We're not yeah. joking if we call you a high performer, right? Yeah, that was definitely. And I used to be pretty achievement, achievement oriented and performance driven. So yes, you could definitely define me that way. Yeah. So, so I learned how, how to submit that in, but yeah. yes. So what we do here is we talk about redefining success. How did you yeah, define yeah. success? in that world. And then we're going to yeah. talk, we're going to move to kingdom here in just a little while. Yeah. So I would say that I had like my list of goals. So take me back to after my, my college. So in my twenties up to my late twenties, early thirties, before I really transitioned, I would say success to me was make a million by the time I'm 40, have a particular type of house, have some side business activity, like some real estate, have this great family dynamic, healthy kids and marriage. That's pro I would have definitely defined it by things and mm -hmm. by like manifestations of success. Like the, the, it's like I would have defined like fruitfulness from like things. Were, were you a Christ follower at that time or did you have interaction with Christ? I, I, I don't even recall ever not being in church. So I was okay. raised in a church going family. My dad was an elder in the church. My mom was a volunteer in the church regularly, so I was always in church. But basically, I would say I knew a lot of Bible stories. I knew Jesus loved me. I had no concept of the Holy Spirit in my life whatsoever. And then when I was in college and I chose my own church, then I went to a church that was, I learned about the Holy Spirit, but it was super prosperity focused. And so mostly, so I would learn about faith. From that perspective, and I might see a move of the spirit here or there, but it would only be in the context of something really awesome that happened, like someone was healed at the front at the altar at church, right? But I just didn't, I just didn't have any sense of just like the leading, the guidance, the goodness of just that inflowing spirit, Holy Spirit in my life. I did not have that until I just had these encounters with God. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the prosperity message gospel. Would you mind? After I found Jesus, he found me, he was pursuing me all along. I just finally relented or accepted. I was full on going to be making me some money. So the prosperity gospel fit really well into that. Right. And listen, just, I want to say this right up front as a disclaimer, I think most of the first world Americanized church is a prosperity gospel church. We'll get, yeah, we exactly. may get into that later. And I know a lot of people now, are, their heads are spinning, they're spitting out green stuff, but 
I'm telling you, they're all about comfort. They're all about their stuff and, and God's formula. But it sounds like you compartmentalized a little bit. You had your spiritual life, it. you had your business, you had your success. How did that work out for you? And at what point did you start making that change, that shift? Yeah. So from my perspective, then I was working out just fine because I was pretty achievement oriented. I make a goal, I go after it, I get it. That was just the way I was. I was a great student, got a great paying job right out of college, got married right out of college, bought a house. We did all of that. So in my mind, in that time, it was working for me, at least from my very limited perspective at that time. The shift happened for me. It was funny. I had a couple of shifts. The first massive shift for me is when I got pregnant with my first child. So mm. we'd been married for nine months. And so I was still right out of college. I got graduated, got married, started the job. So nine months into our marriage, I got pregnant with my first child, which was well before my, that was the first time that I experienced something that I did not plan. Like I, I planned to have a child like three or four to five years into our marriage, not nine months into our marriage. So that was the first thing where it was like, oh, snap, like I, I don't have the control that I thought. And hold on, I don't even know how to do this. I'm the youngest of three. I like, I don't even know how to be a mom. So my first like inclination towards God help <laughs> be with me, please. And not just me holla at you from time to time and just know that you love me came as a mom, a young mom. But that's still, I was so compartmentalized. So it was still that with my parenting and certainly with my marriage, but my work, my professional life, it wasn't that I was operating against him or didn't want him involved. I just didn't have a concept that he desired to be involved. So it really was a more of ignorance than me having a concern or not avoiding something. I just didn't know. But when you grow up with not really knowing the Holy Spirit's role in your life, it's very easy to compartmentalize and to not well, think that he cares about that stuff. Our culture, the first world, Greco, whatever you want to call it, we are all about compartmentalizing everything. Yeah. Our yeah. hobbies, our marriage, or even sometimes children yeah. and success and church and all that. We just compartmentalize. Yeah. And what that does, I think it puts God in a different place than in all honesty. We, some of us will eventually find out. I think everybody will. That's not the way we should live. Yeah. So at some point, you started shifting into this yeah. kingdom mindset. You'll hear me use the term Babylon. To me, okay. there's Babylon or the world system. Yes. And then there's the kingdom. Yes. When was that? I know some things happened in 2012 and yeah. different things like that. But when was that? And let's kind of walk through some of the events that forced sure. you to redefine what that air quotes again, yeah. success meant for you. Okay, so this happened in a couple layers. So the first layer of that happened in 2009 when I was doing what I did in January of every year, which was create my own goals, create my own plans, and then ask the Lord to bless them. That was pretty much my thing. And so I would do that every January. And this particular January, for the first time, I heard from the Lord back. Like I was talking to him, asking him to bless my stuff. And then I heard from him for the first time. And it was, you're going to leave this job by June of 2010. And I knew that with God because I'm a strategist and a planner. That wasn't my plan. That wasn't my thought. So I was like, that's a different thought. I think that was God. So I write that down in my, along with all of my plans, I wrote down, I'm going to leave this job by June of 2010. And then I did what any strategist and planner does. I created a list of what all the wisdom that I would need to apply and the things I would need to accomplish in order to leave my corporate job. And it was wise advice, advice I'd give to anybody, like wise things to have in order, right? So Thankfully, my husband has a gift of faith. And so even though it made zero practical sense at all for me to be even thinking about leaving my job at June of 2010, my husband's, hey, that's what the Lord's doing. Let's do it, even though it made no sense. So I go throughout that year and I was getting these nudges from the Holy Spirit. This was all kind of a new kind of experience for me. So it was just like, I'm getting these nudges. And I remember getting so uncomfortable that I started praying and asking that God, just have them lay me off. People are getting laid off left and right. They're getting a year's worth of severance pay. They're getting a year's worth of health insurance. They're upset that they're getting fired. They're getting laid off, but I'd be delighted. So let them lay me off. And I'm in the midst of that. And I got a promotion. People are getting laid off. And I got promoted. And I'm like, okay, so that's not going to work. So I go with all this discomfort. I go right into the year 2010. I'm at a business conference. It's April 2010. I'm at this business conference, Tim, and I'm ironing my clothes, getting ready to go to the last session. And I heard from God like I had never, ever heard from God before. And I have not heard from him like this since. And it was go. 
it was like, it shook me. It wasn't like I heard a loud, booming voice, but I might as well have because it was like, I captured it all. And it was like, it shook me. And I knew it was God. I knew, I didn't know where I was going, but I knew where I was supposed to go from because he had already been talking to me and nudging me all for several months. So I called my husband right away and I was like, babe, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go. God says God's time for me to go. Now, this was at a reverential fear of the Lord at this point, okay? And so I go back home from Orlando from this conference. I call my boss the next Monday and I'm like, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but I gotta get my 30 days notice. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, I don't know. He's to do what? I'm like, I don't know. And it's okay. And 30 days later, sure enough, I left that job. And my last day was May 31st, 2010. I didn't even make that connection, by the way, until my months later. I sure enough left. So that was the first connection point. He disrupted me in a really kind of radical way in that way. And I was shook. And out of reverential fear, I left. Because then I left and then I went into hustle and grind mode because now God's got me out here. Now I got to make it happen. So the real estate business that I was doing on the side, now I'm like, I'm going all in, doing all the hours, trying to make all the things happen in this real estate business. Not even talking to the Lord about like, why did I leave this job? What do you have on your heart? It was such a disconnect for me. So I go in trying to make all the things happen. And Tim, I made this much progress. For those who are listening and not watching, my fingers are really close together. I made very little progress and I knew what I was doing. and so. I heard now another voice, but this time it wasn't as loud. It was just that soft, still, small voice that we hear about of the Holy Spirit. And it was, are you done yet? And I was like, yeah, I'm done. And so that was my second gear shift. And I'm like, okay, God, clearly you have interest in what I'm doing (laughs) in a way that I didn't realize. And so maybe I should start to pay attention to what you've got on your mind and your heart concerning me. And so that was my first shift into really allowing him Mm -hmm. into the space of my professional life. He was very much present in my wife and mom aspect of life. Am I going to church on Sunday? But But this part, this was new. This was really new. And so that was the beginning shift. There's more shifts. I don't know if you want to explore that more, but I can go to the next gear. That You want to move it to the next gear, the 2012 gear that you referred to, or you want to stick here for a Yeah, little? I want to pause for just a second because there's something that I've had theories about okay. that I don't know how to prove. So okay. it's just through conversations like this. If you and I would have gotten together, let's call it pre-moving over into the kingdom, Yes. 100%, or at least as high a percentage as we believe we need to be. Before then, we would have gotten together and with the skills that I've got, skills you've got, bringing other people in, we could have created some jamming, jamming plans and operations, yes. stuff like that. And yes. sounds like we bring your husband in and my wife in and we've got us a mega operation. That's right. And, because and, all this and, cool stuff in real estate. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did some real estate too. Let's don't yes, go down did. that road. And I think that we would have, the plans would have worked. We would have put it in place. But once, once you step over into the realm, that is, we'll talk kingdom in just a moment. Yes. I think everything changes and those things, I'm not going to say they don't work. That's not the right way of saying it. They don't work the same way. They don't work with our hands. They don't, I'm trying to say a few things and then I'm going to put a question mark at the end. Yes. You talk to, but to me, it's once you get to a certain place, you can't go back to the way that is correct. we used to be, I, even though sometimes we'd like to, what do you now? What say you? I listen, this is what I, this is how I talk about it. I talk about being like having water up to your ankles, being ankle deep versus being knee deep versus being waist deep versus being neck deep versus being over your head. And I think you can, when you're ankle deep, you can just kind of hop in and out of plan. And I've spent some time ankle deep, but once that water went above my ankles, there was no turning back. There was no, even if I didn't understand what was ahead, I didn't know what this was going to look like. There was enough for me to know that this is my new reality. This is a higher reality. This is my reality. And so even though I don't understand fully and I don't know where I'm headed, I can't turn back. I have to keep moving forward. And I think once you're, once that water's a little bit, just metaphorically, a little bit above your ankles, like that's where the point where it's like, no, I can't, there's no, I can't hop back on the shore. Like I got to keep going. Always wondered if it's, if it has a lot to do, if not a hundred percent to do with identity. I thought... I was a pretty bright guy. The older, more mature I get, I think less and less I'm not that 
bright. And I'm not saying that in any kind of false humility or anything. I do think I've got skills and talent, but I just am recognizing I'm not that good, even though I'm pretty good. And so I do wonder if part of that journey of drawing near, this is what I joke about all the time, is less of Tim and more of him. You might have heard me say that. (laughs) I like that. and, And part of it is getting my arrogance, confidence, getting my identity changed, Yes. From one to the other. What are your thoughts when someone says identity? Because that's a big word in the culture that we're in. Yeah, that that is a big word. But to me, identity is everything because I really, I'll say identity is everything and intimacy with God is everything. So intimacy with God with everything is everything because it reveals identity. It roots you in identity and everything grows from there, right? So when I think about the journey of, and we haven't moved to that third leg yet, the, it was the growing intimacy with God that then led to stronger rooted identity in God that then everything else blossoms from and to this day. And so to me, that identity piece is everything because that's the orientation in which we engage ourselves and the world around us. And so it's how we think about God, how we think God thinks about us, how we engage the world around us, right? And to me, it's super important. And I can track, I could tell a whole identity story of various aspects of my kingdom identity that God like was cultivating in me understanding and revelation step by step. He didn't blow it all at one time. He was focusing on one aspect of another aspect and another aspect. It's like he built me in building blocks. And it's like I my story projects along that identity route, really. Yeah. So let's jump into the time that the the kingdom yes. things started coming in. But I yep. want to tell you, I'd like to hit this fairly quickly if we could. Okay. Because I've got about five topics I want you and I to have at least a little conversation on. So anyway, I've got a bunch of stuff here. This is not going to be a two-hour podcast, just so y'all know. (laughs) So the third step of bridge story is, the bridge story is, at this point, after the second year, I started paying attention to the Lord as it related to what I was doing in business. Fast forward into 2012, one of my real estate buddies said, hey, I met this woman who I felt like I was supposed to connect you with. He connected me to her. She said, I have this client that I feel like I'm supposed to connect you with. She connected me with her. And we hopped on the phone March of 2012. I knew instantaneously this was like a God connection. Six to eight weeks after we met, I said to her, hey, I think we met for a really specific reason. She said, I think the same. She was in South Carolina. I'm in Florida. But we prayed about it, came back in a week, prayed about it, came back in a week, prayed again and came back. And that third time she says, God gave me these words. I put them in my journal. I have no idea what they're about, what it's for. This had happened months prior to her meeting me. And she said the words are kingdom-driven entrepreneur. And what flew out of my mouth, Tim, was that's a community, it's a movement, and it starts with a book. And I didn't even know what a kingdom-driven entrepreneur was. I was a Christian who happened to be a business owner who operated integrity and the principles of the Bible as best to my ability, but I didn't know what a kingdom-driven entrepreneur was. And so from there, that point in that March 2012, that next six months was an exploration of what is, what are you talking about, Lord? What does this look like? What does this mean? How in the world are we writing a book? That makes no sense, but okay, Lord, we'll do that. And it was that over that six months. So my beginnings of getting an orientation of what it means, not only what the kingdom of God means, but what does it mean to be kingdom driven? The beginnings of that was happening then and in the process of launching a community of movement by that name, which is one of those only God stories. Yeah, because I, w- I wasn't the guru coming in with 10,000 of expert expertise at 10,000 hours of expertise to come show people the way I was learning literally as I was going. And if people wanted to pay attention, they could. And they were because we were all growing because a lot of because you couldn't Google kingdom entrepreneur in 2012 and find something that's not now it's a popular conversation. In 2012, it was not a popular conversation. Christian entrepreneur was a was a good conversation. Faith and work. Marketplace ministry, these terms, these were all terms, but mm-hmm. kingdom entrepreneur was not like a thing people were talking about, not publicly in forums that were platforms and stuff that you could learn from. And so it was really just sitting with the Lord and with one another, with Antonina, my co-founder, to say, what in the world are we doing? What in the heavens is going on here and what are we doing? But that was the beginning of the shift for me was then. All right. So I may come back to that, but I want to get some definitions out of the way. You got here. it. Yeah. Tell me. When you say kingdom, because you get around, you get outside of church people and they have no idea what we're talking about right. usually. Right. You get around church people. And I joked with people one time I went to a church and the guy, the pastor said, we're a kingdom church. And I would say, what does that mean? He goes, 
we're a kingdom church. And I went, yeah, I get it. But I mean, can you give me a little more? What does that mean? Yeah. And he goes, we're kingdom and the rest of them aren't. And I'm going, oh, I don't know. I, I need a little bit more than that. So yeah. give me your definition. And I actually, I love that you've got a preview to the guidebook in the back of, I've got my Kindle here is where I read oh, the yes. book, that you got a preview and you actually give some of these, but I want to hear it from you. What? Hey, yeah. And I'm going to ask about driven and entrepreneur because the word driven has yes. recently popped up in some things I'm doing. So tell nice. me kingdom. What is that? What is that to you? Yeah. So I'm talking about the government of God, the realm of heaven. It's the, it is not a democracy. <laughs> it's like, this is the territory of God and it has a king and the king is Jesus and it's the king's way. It's his mind, his heart, his way. And that's it, right? So when I think about the kingdom, it's simple as that. And I, I root myself in Matthew 6, 33 of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing that all things, you know, are going to be added. Hmm. Yeah, that's powerful scripture for me that, that is really almost a foundational scripture for me. Because what I recognized in my life is that I kept chasing the last part of that verse, the things yes. representing food, clothing, and shelter, yes. instead of seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Yeah. And I had to do a study on, on kingdom. Yeah. Does the kingdom come after us or do we have to go after the kingdom? <laughs> I was like, the kingdom is ever advancing to its return. It's like, it is here and ever increasing. And so I'm like, we get to participate in what God's already doing. We co-labor with Christ to see the advancement of the kingdom. But to me, I'm like, if I didn't participate, the kingdom of God is still advancing. If Shea Bynes is not participating, it's still advancing. Yeah. Because the Bible said so. Whether you're in or not. So how about- Whether I'm in or not. Tell, tell me about the word driven. Give me a- Yeah. So I, I recently did, in fact, there are a few episodes back, I did Faith Driven Leader. Okay. And I actually had some Christians give me some pushback on that word driven. Yeah. Oddly enough, some people are uncomfortable with it. So just about the word driven. Yeah. I was like, what do yeah. you mean? They go, that sounds too aggressive. I'm going, yeah. That let's, is very uh, interesting to me. I that know. You got that feedback. I mean, I need okay. To so it has two primary definitions. And so one of them is motivated. So what's motivating you, right? Mm -hmm. And the other is propelled. And I like this, propelled forward. And so when it was kingdom driven entrepreneur, so we're not going to define entrepreneur here, but what's, what I'm saying is that your entrepreneurial endeavors, those entrepreneurial endeavors are motivated by seeing an increase of the kingdom of God and they're propelled forward by that truth, Matthew 6, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, knowing all things will be added. So it changes your entire orientation. You're seeking first the kingdom. You're seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. All things are added, even in the context, yes, of your business as well. And so with, that's what that means. And that's changed the business game for me because business can be led by, driven by a lot of things. You could be driven by profits. You could be driven by your emotions. <laughs> Bad idea. You could be, you could be driven by whatever, your feelings or whatever, but it's, no, I'm going to be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit and be motivated and, and propelled forward by the kingdom of God. That's yeah. a different, that's a different life. That's a different game. You can be driven by fear. You can be driven by, driven what, by mama, fear. what mama yes. thinks is best for you. You yes. better do what mama yes. says. Ooh, I don't know what other people think about you. Yes. Pride, there, driven so. by pride and ambition and all the things. You could be driven by a lot of things. So the word driven in and of itself isn't, the bad word. It's just, but what, what's the word that's before the, what is driving you? That's yeah. what matters. Let's don't, let's don't dive too much into it, but on, the word entrepreneur is thrown around quite a bit yeah. in our culture also. Sure. And at times, sometimes I'm, I can be a little snarky. This is, I'm just giving a little, I should have a little snarky button come up here. At times the word entrepreneur to me, because I am one of those also, is just someone who can't stay focused on one thing very long. So they're bouncing around, jumping over, trying to find something they could do and make some quick money. That sounds like a hustler to me. <laughs> so why don't you tell us the real, when y'all tie yes. those together there, give me, give me just a flavor yeah. for entrepreneur. If someone's yeah, I will for my context, because some people also say there's entrepreneur, there's business owner, and they separate the two. I don't get into that. To me, if you are offering a product and a service, in the marketplace and you're bringing value in, in exchange, you receive finances for that. You are selling, marketing, selling a product service in the marketplace. That, that's it to me. You are building a business. Now, whether there's definitely differences between how someone shows up in terms of an entrepreneur who's, I build something with the purpose of selling it to move on to the next thing. 
But that to me, like that's a serial entrepreneur, but I could be an entrepreneur and stay in a business for 20 years and not consider and not be like, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur just because I'm here for 20 years. But if I'm building something, building team and all of those things, I don't consider that any less of being an entrepreneur than, but some people would. Yeah, I, I think it's one of these words, kind of like a number of things that can mean a lot to different people. And it's possibly been watered down. I love how you tie it together with kingdom and driven because what it does, see, to me, an entrepreneur is someone who's their idea person, they're visionary. They can start things fairly quickly. Some Sometimes we need to start them slower if we listen to the Lord properly, but that's a whole nother topic. Yes. Yeah. And they're ones that are at the forefront mm -hmm. of doing things. They're leading because they're taking action. Yeah. And I think that maybe taking action part is what I see that separates out those like kingdom driven people that just sit around and wait for somebody else to do something. Then I'll jump on board with them. No, we're talking entrepreneurs. They're, these people are going to, they're going to go after yeah. it. You have, an, you have initiative. You have another level of initiative to go after and create the thing that's on your heart. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I like that. All right. So kingdom driven entrepreneur came to be 2012. Yeah. Yes. And now we could start filling in some of the other parts of the story before I start peppering you with these questions that I've got about, let me go ahead and give you a glimpse. I'm going to ask yes. you about time. I'm going to ask okay. you about money. I'm going to okay. ask you about confidence versus humility. I'm going to cool. ask about having control and where we put our trust is just some Sweet. of the stuff that came to my mind. Okay. I don't even know if we're going to get for all of all it. That. So my next question, because I think this is where the story goes, is that yeah. once we start dipping our toes into that realm that we call God's kingdom. Yes. Somewhere along the way, we start recognizing that it's, it's got different rules. It operates differently. Yeah. And one of the first things that we notice is our greed glands can start getting restrictive to us because we're sitting here thinking, I need to make me some money to pay my bills. But I don't think that's what I'm supposed to be thinking about that much in the kingdom or what. So let's just go ahead and dive in the deep end. Okay. And I want, and I'm going to ask you a very personal question. You tell me what sure, I'm here for it. With. What was going on with your personal finances and with money coming in for you? I actually think I yeah. read somewhere where you almost went to a foreclosure. We were yeah. kicked out of a 6,000 square foot house when <laughs> I knew more about real when That's I forgot right. more about real estate than most people know and good gracious. So you step into kingdom. Life is great, right? That's what the prosperity goes. You're in God's kingdom. So life is good. Money's flowing in. Your bank account's full. Talk to me about that, Shay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So when I left my corporate career, so remember we, so we had a real estate business, but it was like residential cash flowing property. So like a few hundred dollars a month per property. Not like a lot, right? But we had certainly had equity. But I was leaving a $96,000 job. Okay. When I left, I had a relatively small pension as well as a 401k. Okay. Which was intentionally to not to be touched. That wasn't my intention to touch it. But anyway, so we leave. I go into the business full-time and on the real estate side. But then remember relatively quickly after that, I was in that for two years. And so we were fine. We were fine. But then when the whole assignment for Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur came up, I was trying to do all the things. And what happened was the Lord, one by one, was instructing me to let go of certain things. And so I was holding on to one last thing. I had this. So I'd stopped doing all the active stuff on the real estate side. I was stopped consulting. I stopped taking consulting clients. But I had one thing left. I was coaching the real estate investing clients of a friend of mine who had a huge real estate investing business. And all I had, I didn't have to market it. All I had to do was show up and coach your students. And when I said yes, and it was almost like immediately when I looked at that as my source now, because I let go of all of those other things, within weeks, less than a month, I get an email from her that's just like, I just had a meeting with my coach. We were looking, thinking we have the business. And I'm thinking I don't need as many coaches anymore. And it's not personal. I think I'm just going to work with the other guy now, which was a smart decision between the two of us. And I read that and everything in me wanted to be like the devil. And I couldn't even fix my lips to say, to act like this was something against me. When I heard the Holy Spirit said, that was me. It was like, no, it's like I heard the Lord say, that was me. Go focus on Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur. And so from that, Kingdom Driven LC was making nothing in the beginning because we didn't, first of all, we didn't know what we were doing. We had a couple thousand people show up at a Facebook group. We're like, okay, Lord, now what? How, what's the product? What's the service? How are we showing up? 
all we had was a book. We gave that away for free in the beginning. That's how we got the people there. Then we were like selling the book, but it was like, okay, it's a book. We didn't know what our, we didn't have a monetization strategy, a business model and nothing for months. So we were making nothing. First year, 12K, I think, in revenue, first year. Second year, I think 20 something, maybe 30 something thousand. I wasn't taking anything out. My co-founder wasn't taking anything out. We started paying ourselves like $100 a month at some point and then $250 a month at some point. Everything else was reinvested in. Like we weren't making, we were still figuring out what God was having us doing. So those, and really, if you want to fast forward, even when we became a six-figure revenue business, that was a six figures coming into my personal bank account. It took eight years before personally, I could pay myself more than I was making in my corporate career. Some people would be like, that's crazy. And I'm like, but I wouldn't, I don't regret a thing. I don't regret a thing. Walking this thing out with God has been the most amazing and awesome. And even in its challenges, even in its challenges, fruitful adventure that I wouldn't exchange anything for. I really wouldn't. But no, financially, it was like we had some, we had about a two and a half year period of time. That was really tough, really tough. That's what you were alluding to that I mentioned in the book about how we ended up having to short sell our house to avoid a foreclosure. But God even showed himself strong in that process too. That's a whole other story. So it's like we saw God in everything, even in the things that were the things that we didn't hope for, didn't want to see, or in a particular timing that we just didn't expect, we could still see God in it. Where, every step, every single step. Where do you think, and this is a, one of these hypothetical questions. Sure. My wife and I have gone through this exercise multiple times, and I think it's just to attempt to gain some wisdom and encourage ourselves some more. But where do you think you would be spiritually if you had opened up Faith Driven Entrepreneur in 2012, all of a sudden six Kingdom figures starts coming in. You had, you, saw, you had a book that went viral and things like that. And it wasn't that long, I call it the quicksand time that I was in from 2008 to 2013, where I couldn't, the Lord didn't let me do anything. I couldn't do anything. And I had ideas and thoughts and then the ideas and thoughts dried up. And it was just, nope, you and I are going to work together and I'm going to yes. teach you how to do this. So yeah. have you ever thought through the process, the journey you've been on and what it might look like if things had been different? I think about the process and the journey a lot. And it actually makes me sad to reflect on, the, on something that's other than what I've experienced. Like when I think about, which is why I also very, I very transparently share all the aspects of the journey with folks. And I let it land where it lands because I want people to know the reality of what it could be. But at the same time, for them to have never have seen that they never saw a difference in me. They, I was still full of joy, still full of peace, still walking that out. That in and of itself spoke volumes. I can't imagine not. I actually, honestly, really, I had a conversation with my dad because remember I told you I grew up in a church and I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Just a few years ago, I'm having a conversation with my dad and I'm having this conversation. He's telling me all these really awesome stories about, it was like the Holy Spirit moving his life from years and years ago. And I remember, th I, I, I was almost like, wait, how did I not, how did this not translate? I wasn't mad, but it was like a disconnect for me. And I was a little bit sad almost. It was like, wow, like, I can't believe I'm 40 two or 33 at the time, hearing this story on the other end of having walked this out with him for nine years, but you've, been, but you've got stories from your 20s that I never knew. So I think about that and I'm like, so that, that answers the question for you. If I'm thinking about that from the missed, what I do believe was missed, <laughs> it's how I also feel about what I did miss from what I would have missed if I didn't just go on this adventure with him, which I think it was my early 30s is when this and, all kind of started. And everyone has to go on their own their own journey, darn it. Yes, your own journey. There's things which I love mentoring because there's things that you can get from others and there's things that I can share with others that helps them along their journey. 
and also helps them to avoid certain things or to move faster through something that might have taken longer for me. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't take away from the fact that every single individual has to do have their own walk with God. You have to have your own testimonies with God. You can't live off of the testimonies of other people. You have to build your own history with God. It's at some point you've got you've got to own this thing for this is the life that I'm going to live in him and with him. Sure. All right. One more one more little money question and a couple other yeah. things here and we'll get into grace over grind. Really all of cool. this is related to grace over all grind. All of it. Yes. Because it all it all fits into us trying to control and do things on our own versus relenting yes. and allowing the kingdom God's kingdom to rule and reign in our lives. Yeah. But were there times along the way, and if you can share maybe one where you looked at the bank account or what was coming in and you said to yourself, because I do think this is an up and down for most people. I don't think it's just this progression where you right. said, Ooh, and this probably may have been a conversation with God. I need to step back in and take over. I need to go make, I need to provide, this is the thing we say a lot. I need to provide for my family. We've got, we got bills. We got rent. This house is about to go to foreclosure or whatever. Tell me about if there wasn't a time, then I'm going to be super impressed. But if there was a time, tell me about it. And what was that like? Cause I, I know that someone listening going, I can't picture what that might be like. Yeah. What, how would I get through that? Yeah. So there was definitely times where I'm like, man, this is taking a really long time. Lord, I would have thought that this would have taken way less time. And it never made me want to go backwards, but it would have me thinking, it would have me like evaluating and reevaluating and ruminating over my decisions and wondering, oh, like, should I have made a better decision here or should I have done this here? Or so as a poet, I wasn't trying to take the reins back as much as I would spend mental space trying to evaluate my past, which was not helpful. I've never wanted, now mind you, simultaneously, so I'm married. My husband had already given me the grace for this process. He had his own journey of what he was, because he was then thinking, I've given my wife the grace because she's following the Lord's leading on this thing. And she's, what I always have made way more, brought more, way more income in our household. And so now he had that journey because he's, I'm giving her the space to walk this thing out with God, but my massage practices are not making that much money. Like I, I'm just trying to provide for my family. He tells his testimony all the time. I'm just trying to provide for my family. And the Lord said to him, that's the problem. I provide, I'm the provider and got him all the way together. And so my husband was having those conversations. I was in a weird headspace, but yet moving forward, and he was in the headspace of trying to like make some other things happen. Let me try to make this happen and try to make this money happen so that I can give my wife the space to do the thing that you called her to do. So we were definitely experiencing that dynamic as a family. It just showed up for me and felt differently. I love that. You provide for the family, which is a very, I don't want to say it's not biblical. Some people get a little bit bent out of shape with this because sure. there's a scripture that says that specifically a man is worse than an infidel if he doesn't provide for his family. Here's the deal. I don't think we understand what provide for the family means. Providing for the family is pointing them to where? The actual source. You're not still money. a resource, husband. Yes. <laughs> You're not so the that, source. No, I got to provide. You better be providing for you. And listen, I beat myself up a good bit with that. When we yeah. lost homes, I had children that were about to be going to college age. And I'm like, going, man, this is rough. Yeah. You brought up that you were getting a little impatient with the process. And I, you know who I thought of our man, Moses, when you yeah. said that, <laughs> who spent 40 years on the backside of the desert before he then came and then spent 40 years wandering with those complaining people and then did not see the promised land. Yeah. What talk about, you actually made a comment in the book, Grace Over Ground, about time. Yes. Let's talk about time and why it messes with us. And see, I'll say this and then I'll let you take over. Yeah. I, my meditation recently has been, I don't think we truly understand. And I don't think understand is the right word or try to grasp eternal life. Yes. I don't think we have a concept of it. And we think we have limited time, which then means maybe we don't believe what we've received. 
And so we think we're on a deadline and we got to get it done and God's moving slow. And yeah, God moves extremely slow. So having said all that, talk about time and why it messes with us in this topic. Yeah, because if you think about, and I hope I pronounce these things correctly, but it's like chronos time, which is our minutes, our seconds, our hours, our days, our weeks, our months, our years. We measure everything in that. And so we can be driven by that because it's the measurement of earth in which we are functioning in every day. And as a business person, really doesn't matter if you're a business person or not, everyone has the want to see a particular time. You've got deadlines around this. Some of them are self-imposed. Some of them are real ones, all of that. So a lot of our lives are surrounding this importance of that measure, those measurements of time. But when you're walking with God and you're operating in Christ, we have a higher reality of time, which is what you were referring to in this kind of eternal mindset around time, right? Or this Kairos time, God timing, opportune timing, his timing, where it's like in Ecclesiastes where there's a time for everything under the sun, the whole thing where that there were so many aspects. I went to go research that in the scripture, how many times it said time. And it was talking about not our aspect of time, like over and over again. It was talking about his time, <laughs> not our measurements of time. And so when we engage God in that way and have that as our higher reality in the midst of stuff, it helps us to find that pace with him. Because sometimes that pace is slower. And I've had seasons where the pace is way quicker and it could feel even overwhelming if I was operating just in my own strength. But because I'm in him, with him, the grace is over that, pa that pace. There's grace all over that pace for that time. And, and that's in his timing. And you have those moments that are like, we have slow and then there's a suddenly, slow and there's a suddenly. And you're like, this wasn't really suddenly because this was really like, this was like a 10 year suddenly. Yeah, that's the thing. But you feel like it's a suddenly because suddenly something shifts. Suddenly something changes. But ultimately, it really wasn't a suddenly. It was, it was a process that led to a suddenly. Not saying that there's not like legit suddenlies that just come out of suddenlies. I'm just saying most of my suddenlies weren't really legitimately suddenly. They just felt like it. I love, I'm going to step on a couple more toes here in the, in the church circle worlds that we've come out of. And yes, I love this word breakthrough, which I can't find it in the Bible that much. I do think it's part of our modern vernacular. And I think it's something yeah. we convince ourselves. Most breakthroughs that I've experienced have been about five years in the making. Plus. 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 And they still are. And they're like molasses. It's like quicksand. And I'm like going. And I don't see a lot of that type thing scripturally. Now, I, I do spend a lot more time probably in the Old Testament because I do a read through the Bible every year. Right. And there's nothing that happened fast there. God was extremely patient with those folks, more patient than you and I would have been. I been. They're done. Done. Facts. Start over again. Oh, we again. have a covenant. Darn. Okay. But yeah. I do think that we have, and this is where I think, the prosperity, I think it factors into time. Yeah. I think that we have this immediacy. We expect things and they better be done quick. And in my lifetime, we're going to see Jesus come back or we're going to be raptured or we're going to do whatever. I'm just I'm making fun of that a little bit. But I still, I think that time messes with us. And I love your discussion because you talked in the book, Grace Overground, about sustainable rhythms. That's the where I yeah. highlighted. And I really love that rhythm and seasons versus. Yeah. By Friday at five, I'm going to get my house payment and we're going to be out of foreclosure. How many right. of those days passed by and y'all kept going, what happened? Yeah. Yes, exactly. But it was just, but I've just seen, I've just seen the goodness in the process over and over again. Even, even when I go back and reflect on the most challenging two and a half years of our last 11 those very challenging two and a half years. When I reflect on it, I can mine so much gold from those two and a half years that were that's important for me for what was next, what I'm in now, or what is to come. It is, I wouldn't, there's things that it was like, I could say it would have been nice if that worked like that or that worked like that. But instead of focusing on that, I focus on what's the gold that I can take from that challenge, that series of challenges, that's the going to inform my future, position me, built my capacity for what's next or whatever. And whenever I do that reflection, it leaves me 
feeling good about moving forward and how God moved and how I grew in him in the process of that. So in 2017, you were told or decided or something happened and you wrote this book, Grace Over Grind, which yep. a great title and just fits so much into the, what I've been saying, Jesus never hustled. Why should you? But so you wrote that book and my guess is, and then you just updated it, which is the version I read overnight, yes. almost read almost all of that, which is awesome book, by the way, everybody needs to get it because they need to get the message of the grace over grind. But my guess is you did not have that entirely figured out when you wrote that book. If so, tell me about that. Or if not, tell me about it. Why did you write the book back then? And what's going on with the update? Yeah, I'll tell you that I still don't know everything. I consider Grace Over Grind a lifestyle upgrade over and over again. So like, I feel like I call my life right now Grace Over Grind level 8.0. And that's where I'm at right now. But I already know that there's a 9.0, a 10.0 and 11. So I was like, I'm like, I want to grow in this forever. So let's make that part clear. Have not arrived, continue to grow in him because there's always more in him. Okay. But now going backwards. So what happened was, so 2012, 20 and 2013, maybe six months or so after starting Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur, I was sitting in church. Like at this point, I was, even though I was doing Kingdom Driven Entrepreneur, it was still super early. And I think my concept at that time was more like I'm doing business for God and for the advancement of the kingdom. I still had it fully. I still had my grind culture in me a bit. I didn't fully have that with. I had some of it because I've been experiencing some of it, but I didn't fully have it. But I was sitting in church and our pastor did a message on Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, the scripture where Jesus said, come to me, all of those who are weary, I'll give you rest. He talks about his yoke is easy and a bird is light. Those are the scriptures. But he read it in the message and I had never heard it before. And it says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Tim, listen to me. I heard that and was like, my whole soul was like, yes and amen. Jesus, show me that because there is a gap between what, how I live and how I work now and what I just heard. And so I need you to show me that. And that was the beginning. So that was 2013. The book showed up about, so about four, four and a half years or so of walking that out was when I wrote that first book and released it. And I had to release that book because that fundamentally changed everything. So it was one thing, it was one thing to have acknowledgement of the kingdom and then be kingdom driven, but I could still be really motivated for just doing things for God. And oh, I'm kingdom driven, I'm motivated. And I'm gonna do this for the glory of God. And I'm mission driven on the mission of this. I could have stayed on that path, but, think, but you can't actually be a kingdom driven entrepreneur seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and not do it with him. So I thank God for that transition. But to me, the fully transition happened at that revelation. That six months after that year of six months of what is this, Lord, and then six months into actually walking it out, that year mark, that revelation, that's when I fully entered into this kingdom life, right? Was in that moment. And that's why that book's so important to me because it's a kingdom life message. I write it for business owners because that's who I'm called to serve. It's the same message that I operate in as a mom and as a wife and in everything. And I get messages from Church pastors, Silicon Valley employees, stay-at-home mom, all kinds of folks are like, I read this book because someone told me to read this book. I read this book and it's changing me. Why? Because it's a kingdom life message. It's a kingdom shift. It, it is. And I think some people are recognizing, even people that may not be as, air quotes again, spiritual or followers of Christ, I think they're recognizing, I call it the hustle culture. You call it that hustle and grind culture, that the mental health is not good. The physical health is not good, and, and it doesn't work like we think it does. I think it's good if you're trying to sell stuff into people that hustle and grind, but I don't know that it works that well. And so I think people are recognizing, and I don't know they're recognizing it in the droves that they need to, Right. but that is the transition. So it's an excellent book, Grace Over right. Grind. So thanks for writing that. Absolutely. What else? What did you do to update it? You got the new version, five years. I think yeah. there's a few chapters you added and a few adjustments yep. and all, because the message is 
foundational. Yeah, and the message is foundational. But the reason why I wrote the fifth anniversary edition is because after I at least released the first one, I was noticing a thread of similarity in the types because, you know, we mentor a community of folks, right? So I was realizing that people were getting hung up on some of the same things or I get the same types of questions. And I tell you that chapter on sustainable rhythms, which was a new chapter, that was one of them where I consistently got issues, questions, stuff that led to me writing that chapter. That was probably one of the, that was a fundamental chapter that I wrote in response to a whole bunch of questions and roadblocks and obstacles that I observed in people or got questions about from readers. Okay. So I read, I wrote that one because I felt like I needed to answer the issues that people were having as they were walking it out. And there was things that I grew in. So even though some of the chapters are not new chapters, there was new things within those chapters because there's, there is a whole nother layer of another five years of growth that I've had in it. One major difference for me, Tim, between when I wrote the first one and the second one is when I wrote the first one, I was like, this is an invitation and we should say yes to it. And I was in that awe and wonder of the invitation. When I wrote the second one, I'm like, this is an invitation to be an awe and wonder, awe and wonder about. However, it is also what you're called to in the kingdom of God. Like, this is not like a, oh, this is a nice to, this is a nice way to live if you want to live that way. In the, but I'm saying, if you're calling yourself a citizen of the kingdom of God, it actually has got to be in him and with him. And so my, I have a much deeper conviction around the, not only the invitation, but the call and what you're equipped for, designed for is this life. So it's a greater conviction for sure. Yeah, that, there's so many good things to it and so many things going through my mind here. I tell you what, let's just maybe in the few minutes we have, what I would love for you to do, and I think you do this, you do a lot of myths and facts and truths or something like that throughout the book, yeah, but yeah. I'd love for you to give a few, I don't know if even contrast or the right term here, but I know there's people listening in that they're all in that hustle and grind culture or that right. hustle culture, whatever you want to call it. Right. But they think they're going to church. They're doing all that thing. They think they're listening to the Lord and all that. And I'm not, we're not judging that, but I can not tell you that I thought until you, you don't know, I don't know if I said right. that. So give some people some clues that yes. they have not stepped into that kingdom realm, yes. that they're still over in that hustle realm. Yes. So I'm going to define terms so that we all are having the same conversation. So when Thank I talk you. about grind, I'm talking about it. Merriam-Webster even says this, excessive hard work. I'm going to take it another layer. Hard in the dictionary means unyielding. Excessive, unyielding work. Take another layer. Doing business primarily in your own strength. So go straight Bible on it. Okay. So that's what we're talking about here. Now, this is very a predominant way for people to move and to work. So they typically have a lot more anxiety. They often have, I'll call it prayerlessness. That doesn't mean that you don't pray, but it's like you have this rhythm of rote prayers that you have, but you don't have just this ongoing engagement with God. There's a lot of times you'll have a lack of joy, a lack of peace, a lack of boundaries because you think that you're the source and not a resource. And so you have to make yourself available to all the things all the time to make all the things happen, right? You may be on team no sleep. You don't rest enough. I'm not, I'm talking about physical rest right now. You don't rest enough. And sometimes that's motivated, not just because you think that I have to stay up in order to make it happen, but even those who are like, but this doesn't feel like work. I love this so much. It doesn't feel like work. You're still working primarily in your own strength and not operating from that rest and those rhythms of God, right? And so there's a lot of things, but I got to tell you that one of the most prominent ones is that anxiety, analysis paralysis around things like, I call that the mind grind, where it's like, you just can't move forward because you just can't, you're just, it's constantly going on in your head. Is it, and then when you add God to the equation, like, is it God? Is it me? Is it pizza I ate at 11 o'clock last night? I don't know. And you're just in this stagnation and just in that doubt and all of that. And then also financial anxiety. I'm overly consumed with what's coming in. I'm overly consumed with what's not coming in. I'm overly consumed with what's here, what's there. And obviously there's a healthy focus we need to have on numbers as a business person or really as any person. Money is an important tool in life, but there is such thing. And it's also a prominent way for people to function that there's an, oh, there's an overemphasis that leads to anxiety around the money. So those are some of the signs. And if you check your motivations, like what motivates you to do what you do, you'll find others. Like I want to prove my haters wrong. 
okay, but then you want to show you're going to move, move as independently as possible because you want to prove somebody wrong. So there's all kinds of things that show up. Yeah. And I think that anxiety is key. I found myself in the nineties being proud of the fact that I've rarely slept and I was operating off my adrenals and stuff like that. Team don't well, sleep. Farther, before you get to Matthew 6, 33, there's a scripture, it might be in the twenties or something, but it says you can't serve two masters. You right. can't serve God and mammon. Right. And I would love for us, this is almost my last question. I've got a couple more, yeah. but I would okay. love if you've got anything practical, something that someone's going, I just don't know I could put that much trust in God. I don't know exactly how to do that. What right. can I do to move closer to yeah. this state of, we didn't get into Sabbath because I think this right. is, we're talking about living a Sabbath, Sabbath life, life, not yes. like a day of the week Sabbath. We're talking yes. about being at a, at a position of rest, but yes. Give a few practicals for that person that they're thinking, going, you know what? I think I'm serving mammon. I'm not serving right. God. I'm serving two masters, but I really want to trust God more. How can they do yeah. it? Yeah. So I'm going to take you to the step one that, that I did that changed everything for me. Because remember, I talked about how intimacy with God is everything because it roots us in identity. So the first thing is the focus on cultivating greater intimacy with God. The way that looks for me, especially since I wasn't focused on inviting God into the business space, but just in my wife and mom space, is I started having daily business meetings with God. So I started engaging the scripture differently and saying, okay, instead of reading this for achievement, Holy Spirit, make this word come alive for me. Talk to me about me. Talk to me about whatever you want to talk to me about as I engage this word, because I want to engage the living word while I'm reading this written word, right? And so I started engaging scripture differently and I started taking my plans and my thoughts and my to-do list and I'd surrender them. And I, I would actually ask the Lord, these are my thoughts. What are your thoughts? What do you want? What's on your heart concerning this business? What's on your heart concerning? I started having dialogue with God, which by the way, I hadn't had before. Let's be clear. Not on anything around business, others, unless it was, I got a problem, Lord, help fix it. And then hopefully maybe you'll give me a strategy how I can fix it. So I didn't have that engagement of seeking him first, getting his mind and heart around things and engaging him in that way. I didn't even have that with reading the scripture because I was reading the scripture. I wouldn't say I was reading it for achievement, but in practicality, I was reading it for achievement, right? Oh, I read the word today. So I think that doing engaging God differently in new ways that you haven't before is a really important step towards cultivating greater intimacy with God because that's where everything stems from. Like you can't operate at a rest, which I define as an active awareness of his presence, if you're not engaging and getting awareness of his presence with you all the time. And so just practicing that with him, for me, just creating a rhythm of practicing just my awareness of his presence with me by engaging him differently was the foundation that everything else was built on. So I'm always like, so I tell the business people, I'm like, start having daily business meetings with God. Like actually, just like you would put meetings with other people, have daily business meetings with God. And not just so that you can have your checklist of things like, I'm going to pray for my clients, I'm going to this, I'm going to that, but actually give him some space to create an agenda in your time together. So don't even go into that with, I've got my blueprint for how I should have a daily business meeting with God, but actually allow the openness of the space and the relationship development in that space. And it might feel super awkward for you when you do it. And I'd say, keep doing it anyway. And then take a step in faith based off of, in, a step in faith based off of the things that you believe he's revealing to you. I, the reason I really like that is that you use terminology business meeting instead of prayer meeting or, because it, it's what, it's the language that many people listening in will understand. Yes. They have business meetings all the time, probably have too many meetings, but they've got business probably. meetings all the time. Why not yes. have one with the creator of the universe, that one that created yes. you when he's more than willing to do that? I, that's that relationship that so many of us, yeah. we like, we want all the stuff, those things at the end of Matthew 6, 33, but we aren't willing to seek first just the, the righteousness and that kingdom of God. So yes. incredible, great book, Grace Over yeah. Grind. Shay, tell us where to find you, the book, other stuff. We'll try to include it down in the notes, but just let people know. And then I've got yeah. one more question before we wrap up. Sure. You can go to graceovergrind.com and you can get the book there. It's on Amazon. You can get it in paperback, Kindle or audio. So you can get that there and you can find me, Shea Bynes, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, wherever you are. I'm not on really, I'm not really active on TikTok, but you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. But grab Grace Over Grind at graceovergrind.com or go directly to Amazon. Thank you, Shay. I've still got about 20 questions to ask, but I don't have <laughs> time for that. So, um, 
we need more time. I need a rhythm. I need a better time rhythm to <laughs> do the things that the Lord would have me to do. We are seek, go create those three words, yes. Shay. And we use one of the, we actually use multiple words there throughout this conversation. I'm going to play a little game here and I'm only going to tell you, you could take, pick one of those over the other two. Yeah. Just that resonates more with you, means more to you at this particular time during this season, which word is it and why? Yeah, at this particular time, it is definitely seek. And why? Because I'm on the other side of not being the CEO of the company of which I co-founded and God's revealing new areas for me to walk in. And so I'm having to, I feel very much like I did many years ago, where it's like, oh, this is new. Oh, this isn't my expertise. Oh, this is, and walking these things out with him and seeking his mind and heart concerning the new areas and spheres of influence that he's calling me into. So definitely seek for show. <laughs> I love that seek because it fits in with what you said, have the business meetings. That's almost the seek yes. portion of that is it that is. you've got to seek and spend time there. Shay Vines, thank you so much for joining us Absolutely. on Seek Go Create. What a great conversation. I want to keep having it, but also want to watch our time here. I highly recommend if you've listened in, number one, go get the book Grace Over Grind. Excellent book. Everyone needs it. Second thing I'm going to recommend is that I believe that you need to share this episode with someone. Someone needs to hear this. The best way that people get exposed to podcasts is by someone personally recommending it. So take a screenshot or if you're watching on YouTube or doing anything like that, share it, text it to them and say, you need to listen to this person, Shay, and this guy, Tim, in the RV that was asking questions. You need to listen in on this and, and make sure that they hear what we have to say. So share this. We have new episodes every Monday. Subscribe, follow, listen. This is your host, Tim Winders. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be. Mm -hmm.